in one. All right, welcome back to There Will Be Banter. It's uh, episode number three. With me, I have the retired CIA paramilitary operations officer, a.k.a. He's a spook. It's Ron Moeller. How are you, sir? I'm great. Wonderful. And I also got the world's most okayest Green Beret and podcast host, Nick Guy. Nick, how are you, sir? I'm feeling very safe for the second week in a row. That's good. And then also joining us, we have the left's lovable, gun-toting liberal, Veronica Lopez. How are you, ma'am? <laughs> most excellent. Outstanding. And then there's just me. I'm just a dude here to herd cats. All right. But my name is Eric. Uh, Banaszewski. It's long. Spell it. Everyone actually, you know what? Let's stop. It's Everyone spell so- my name. Just kidding. All right, oh, let's get into this. B-E-R-O-G-I. <laughs> That's pretty good for uh, 18 series echoes, apparently, what I'm, what I'm hearing. You guys are not the most. Hey, what right? does this Control-Alt-Delete button do? Don't touch yeah. that, Ron. Don't touch that. All right, so look, I wanted to get into this immediately with the quote that I referenced when we were talking prior to this coming on, as I finally get rid of uh, the Twitters. Um, Ron had sent some uh, interesting topics along the, the, the week we had off. And uh, apparently there's, well, it's not apparently, there is a lot of interesting chatter regarding just whether or not, I wouldn't call it a coup, maybe Ron would, but it's just, would Trump leave the office if he did not win? Uh, now, there are, there's a tons of stories out uh, to support that theory. Uh, Ron sent a few of them. I've seen others. Um, But there's a quote from one of them that I wanted to read. It's very quick. It's just propaganda is a weapon of warfare abroad and propaganda is a weapon of tyranny at home. Propaganda works. So Nick, is this propaganda? It's absolutely propaganda. Listen, I don't want to chew my own horn here, but I wrote a piece back in December about Chinese propaganda and how the American media was just totally willing to lap it up, disseminate it, and make it canon. That's exactly what's going on here. There are zero indicators. It kills me when people talk about, oh, Trump's not going to leave office. That guy's got a billion other things to do that are better than being president of the United States. You're telling me this is a guy that's worth, has more money than God. He went out of his way. He didn't, he became president because he thought he could do something. And somebody tells him, hey, by the way, you don't have to be on the clock 24-7 anymore. It's human nature. You'd be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I can go to one of my 14 private islands and sip my ties on a beach somewhere. He doesn't it's drink. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So Nick's not buying it. Veronica, I see a couple of chuckles, a few notes being taken. What, what, what do you say to that? There's, there's not going to be a coup. We can't even take over another fucking country right now. Like, <laughs> no more for 20 fucking years. No, I, I don't think that there's going to be, I don't think there's going to be a coup on either side. I mean, that would, one, I, I think if anything, this administration and even the Democrats show, like, nobody can hold secret, a secret worth their fucking life, right? So, like, mm-hmm. let the amount of planning something like that would take and the amount of effort it would take, it, it's just... It, in, in my eyes, it's not feasible, not with the current administration or even Biden or the Democratic team. So, no, I'm not buying it. All right. So before I hit the Ron, there's another quote that follows up where it's essentially saying that uh, 
The target's the American people, right? So fear amplification and false expectations are the message. Divide and conquer is the ethos. This situation is exacerbated by the lack of critical thinking skills among the younger segment of the population. So whether it's (laughs) what you just said, feasible or not, it's all about whether it can be believed or not. Right, Ron? Right. Right, yeah. I mean... And I think I think we're kind of missing the point here of of, of the coup. It's it's the uh, the shenanigans that uh, the uh, the Democrats primarily because I think they know secretly that they're losing. I mean, I think their internal polling shows that they're losing the enthusiasm for Trump. I mean, his Michigan rally tonight was if that's any indicator of of the enthusiasm for the for the Trump reelection is compared to Biden, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like comparing major league baseball in a regular year to a little <laughs> league team in a regular year. But I think the points are that the, some of the things in the articles talk about that they've war games, some of this out already. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they will not, will not concede and they will try to literally stuff the the ballot box in the guise of the mailbox with this whole voting by mail stuff the harvesting of ballots that california used to overturn several elections in uh, 2018 where supposedly a, a, a korean american republican won and then suddenly she didn't uh, because suddenly they discovered all these new ballots that were somehow stuck in the uh, envelope processor at the post office or whatever it so i just i think the point here is that the democrats for whatever reason and i'm still trying to figure out the their psychosis i mean ever since trump you know and melania came down the escalator in 2015 and declared i mean they've been like off the reservation rabid it's beyond you know any sort of rational thought but i think that they they realize this is the last they they have to fight here otherwise because now trump won't have to worry about re-election and he can he can do all the things that he's he talked about and you know of course as Hmm. you know we uh it'll be nice to know if if we if the republicans can hold the senate and if Mitch McConnell can find his 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 balls, and actually do what he needs to do, and um, whether you know the the Republicans can flip the House back, yeah. So. Um, well, so real there's quick. another quote in there, real quick. Hold on. Um, I think the biggest I, outside of the use of the term coup, but I think one one point that gets brought up later on is that we should be prepared for quote spontaneous. Uh, protests and disruptions on or about in several days after the November election, which is kind of what I think could be something that is, uh, it's not really controllable, right? Like if people show up to the polls and there's intimidation like they, we've seen in, the, in elections past, or this spirals out of control and it gets to some of these protests we see going on in Kenosha, Portland, Seattle, Rochester now, um, that could be something that could be along the lines of what you were saying uh nick what do you what do you think do you foresee anything like that because i mean honestly i kind of want to piggyback off of what ron said and okay and they're all they're already you know i think that that the democratic parties are preparing for a big loss uh you just take a look at the energy the silent majority isn't really that silent anymore but going beyond that when he talks about wargaming that article that yeah. we that you had sent out 
the Democrats have already done a dry run. They're going, they're, they're going even if Trump wins handedly, they're going to say this election was cooked, that the, the, it's a fraud. They're not going to concede. They've been doing dry runs for different things for the past couple of years. They're doing dry runs of the, of the civil disobedience that we're going to see on and after Election Day over the, pa- uh, the past couple of weeks. I think they screwed themselves because they blew their load way too early. And now the, the public opinion of all these protests is yeah. fucking shit. But beyond yeah. that, going back to my point of doing dry runs, the Democrats tried this with Stacey Abrams in Georgia. Mm-hmm. They tried to play the game of do not concede, say, hell, the, the election's cooked, this is this, there's that, there's voter intimidation. Stacey Abrams, as far as I can tell from all the reading I can do, has still not conceded the gubernatorial election for Georgia. And please, if somebody, if somebody can correct me, please do. But everything I see, she still has not conceded that election. <laughs> and then they were gonna push her with that ridiculous photo opportunity of like the silhouette of Stacey Abrams and the cape and the smoke. I loved it. But that's my point. It's, it, they've been doing dry runs of different things. They're trying different tactics. All right, what if we just don't concede the election? What if we say it's been totally bunked? What if the Russians were involved? It doesn't matter. And then, okay, step two is, you know, we can debate the, whether or not, you know, this civil disobedience is organized or not. I've been on the record on my podcast and saying that it is organized, but let's see what happens if we just create mass pandemonium amongst the streets. And I'm sure Veronica wants to respond. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so a couple things, right? The first thing um, is that the Department of Homeland Security has already come out to say that there is Russian interference and that that is a threat, right? Especially propaganda. So that's, that is a legitimate concern. And the Intel community kind of like unanimously agrees on that. Two, as for, you know, any sort of rally or protests before or after the election, um, we saw that when Trump was elected the first time. The Women's March was the largest, one of the largest global marches, and it was the largest women's march in the history of that march, right? Well, so, like, I, I mean, was, protests like what we see now. So, so I'm going to get to that, right? Okay, so, you gotcha. have the, the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, the ACLED, the registered nonprofit in the U.S. Um, I'll give you guys some. I actually have numbers here. Between 24 May and 22 August, according to their numbers. They have recorded 10,000, over 10,600 demonstrations across the country, uh, and 10,100 of those, so nearly 95% involved, were peaceful. Fewer than 570 of those, so approximately 5%, involved demonstrators engaging in violence, and over 80% of all of those demonstrations were connected to the Black Lives Matter movement or the COVID-19 pandemic. So overwhelmingly, they've been peaceful. Like, that's not, that's a, that is a huge number of, especially as like a organized or not getting that many strangers together and them not being collectively violent or destructive is a huge deal. So I'm, I, I don't foresee this like huge pandemonium happening. I just, it, if it would have happened, it would have happened the first time that Trump was elected. I don't. I don't think so because I, yeah, I, I think they either. were they were all shocked. Right. I mean, exactly. The, the, yes, they we all, were. They all they they all believe. <laughs> we fucking were. They all it, believe it, that it Hillary just, just proves that this is yeah. organized. Everyone Ron. thought Hillary was. Yeah. Going they, they, I mean, they there thought was Hillary no doubt was going to How do you organize that many strangers? I, I, I will get to that. It's a, but, 
Oh, it's it's uh, it's. Well, I have theories. I'm sorry, Ron. I didn't mean to interrupt. That's all right. <laughs> uh, no, I'll tell I, you one thing though. Before Ron goes on, but the the, the easiest way to organize a ton of shit is this right here. No, oh yeah. Right. Agreed. I mean, we just there's an app media, for that. Yeah, there's an app for. That. <laughs> But get it? Yeah, there is an app for that, right? It might but be an app for protest at this face, point. It's called Facebook. It's Twitter. <laughs> it's Reddit. It's Twitter. It's com. Yeah. yeah. Um, but getting but getting that many strangers, regardless of like political ideology, to all be in lockstep and behave is really really hard. That's the difference between organic protests, and that's and, right. And I, I've been on, I've been on, I, I've been on the record with this saying, all right, the, like the whole the protests and the marches for police reform and things like that inherently a good thing but then you you all right 95 percent of that is fine but five percent of that turns into and not just a little bit of mischief but utter mayhem yeah and then that's what we see that's what we've always seen in any sort of uh, of, of fledgling insurgency a fledgling insurrection taking advantage of a of a political talking point of a a a cultural movement and just hijacking that. And I'm actually, I, I kind of want to hear what the spook has to say. Yeah, Ron, it. jump because in here. This is like pure CIA bullshit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, gosh. Um, well, anyways, um, so Veronica, quick history lesson since I'm, I'm the old geezer. <laughs> With the mustache. <laughs> With the mustache that you, you secretly hate. Or not so secretly I, anymore. I never said that, but I did I, say it about Nick's. She so. hated mine. A couple words in my mouth. There you go. I, oh, I, I never. Say, I would never I think to do that. What's on my mind? Yeah, you do. Hey, so seriously, so the Russians, um, even back as far back as 1928, when they were the Soviet Union, uh, have been trying to interfere. Obviously, with the the rise of the internet, social media, things like that, it, they've become much more uh, adept with their their trolls farms and their bot farms and things like that. Mm -hmm. What bothers me is that everybody's looking at Russia, 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 but everybody's like China. What? No, China. No, they're not doing a yeah. damn thing. The the Chinese have a very active effort, and in fact, if if I were the Chinese, I'd be making sure that all the attention, all the counterintelligence, and all the media is focused on the Russians and the Iranians and, and are, so I can, I can do my, my shit. And I think it's really, we need to, I think we just need to say that there's a lot of, of foreign interference or attempts at foreign interference. There's a lot of nefarious players out there. The Russians are definitely one, but there's also the Iranians. There's very definitely the Chinese. And I think the Chinese have the most to lose and the most to gain in this election, depending on who wins. Well, who do you think they want to win? That's what that's always been my question. Well, they they want they want Comrade Camilla, of course. <laughs> so I, I think what's really what's interesting, right? So from in the articles that I sent you guys earlier, yep. um, you know, and if you guys need to repost those for the podcast so that they can like reference their own sites and stuff, right? That's um, a good idea. Noted. So it, like um I, I think it's really interesting that one of the things that was specifically stated and I, and I saw the tweet, right, about that he wasn't the, a whistleblower. Got yeah. it. That's one, again, one woman's opinion. Like, maybe they boned overseas and she doesn't like him. Who knows, right? Like, it's, there's always two sides to a story. But, like, the whistleblower came out, and then it was also a separate report from an actual official from DHS who's also left. So two separate people saying that. We call know, those disgruntled employees. But, but the thing is that the Trump administration seems to have a lot of them. 
right? There's, and you, there's, there's, yeah, it's called, it's called draining the swamp. Is it? Because a lot of yeah. these people are appointed positions and they're the ones leaving. Well, I, I got to tell you, you know, I, my last tour was in DC and at the Pentagon and I got to go to a lot of these high level meetings and, and I don't, you know, it's, there's a lot of fucked up people with a lot of fucked up agendas out in DC and, you know, and it's really, and so I can see where people, they don't, they don't like the way the direction of the administration's going and they will do everything in their power, both within within the, the job that they have and until they get fired or they resign because they think they can do more outside, you know, they, or make money. Yeah. Or make money. I mean, they, they will fight very unfairly. Um, they're, they're not the loyal employee, the, the apolitical bureaucrat or public servant that we, we learned in, you know, schoolhouse rock. These, these people are literally, they are, they have major agendas. I mean, I remember, walking down the the hallway in the agency one time and i, I saw maria harf when she was a, 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 a mediocre analyst and i do mean a heavy word heavy emphasis on the word mediocre and but she was bragging about her political connections and how she was leveraging her time at the agency to get with the, the administration and bam right. next thing you know she's she's like the number two spokesperson at the state department mm-hmm. and now she's on fox news or wherever i don't yeah. i don't watch no. fox news or any of those news I shows. Don't, there's no point right He's we've already that. we've discussed that but, but hey veronica to that point that article i found the article very interesting especially since dhs is like a literal hotbed right now over yeah, uh the protest over wolf <laughs> over wolf's appointment from acting secretary to secretary oh, okay. Well, yeah, for, for other reasons. Right. The one, the one thing though, like, and kind of what Rob was saying, like, we we help, we hold like the the bureaucracy to this ridiculous standard, and I don't know if it's because it was ingrained in us in Schoolhouse Rock or. But shouldn't our, we? No, we shouldn't because they're still people. people I, they are. I, I don't. I don't disagree. But why do we tend to? Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to let you finish. Oh, I didn't no, mean to that's okay. No, this is interesting. But my point is, is we have we have crafted this image of the apolitical bureaucracy, the fourth branch of government. As as I can, I give a quick shout out to Bubu Masawa, my my all time favorite political science professor. I love that guy, Bubu Masawa. He, he he was the one who introduced me to the concept of the fourth branch of government bureaucracy. Uh, but we, we hold them to these, th- this ridiculous standard that we don't hold anybody else, like some superhuman, n- like non homo sapien without bias. <laughs> and they're just going to do their, they're just going to do their robot job and be a good little bureaucratic cog. We know that's not the case because we know what was going on with Lisa Page. We know what was going on with Strzok. We know that those things happen. So when I read your article, I kind of read it through the lens of, what is the agenda here? And the whole thing was, oh, the Trump administration undersold the threat of Russian intel interference. And then I have to remember, as Ron said, the Russians, yeah, the Russian, I don't undersell the Russian threat. I have personal experiences with the Russians. I, I, I mm-hmm. absolutely fucking hate them. Um, but the Chinese as a threat has just been totally undersold by that supposedly apolitical fourth branch of government. So when they point to Russia, 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 and then I take a look and, and wonder what sparked this. Then I have to remember 
it was it, the whole thing started with the the stupid fucking dossier. That's where this. That's where Russia became the talking point. It was the dossier, and yeah. in those who actually matter in the IC, point to the dossier and say, "This is actually like the textbook yeah. definition of a fucking counter intel fucking threat." And mm-hmm. because people were motivated, because they weren't the apolitical cogs in the machine that we expected them to do to be, they took an actual fucking disinformation campaign and they just ran amok with it the f-bombs are flowing uh veronica i'm, sorry, I'm, I'm fired up my <laughs> no i like it let's go he's got he's back on white claws this is serious. I'm back on white claws. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so hey, I, I like you real- better on i like you better on trulies <laughs> yeah the trulies are better hey so real quick veronica just a, a, a short war story so i'm i'm on the seventh floor at the agency and i'm, I'm coming out of a meeting with a bunch of heavy, heavy hitters, you know, the, the, the senior, the, the senior executive service guys and uh, Petraeus's nomination as the, as the new director of the agency has just been announced. And there's a lot of worry uh, among these, these senior and one, and one of the, one of the guys, and I'm, I'm like a piece of the paneling. I, they don't, they forget I'm even there. He, he, he asked the other guys, the very senior guys, um, Hey, so what about this? You know, an army general, you know, he's a, he's a runner. He's this, he's that. He's, he's very ambitious. You know, what, 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 how do you think he's going to do? And, and the oldest and what I thought was the wisest guy, but turned out he was a real a-hole says, well, he will, he will do as we, as we direct he, or else we will, we will sabotage him. And I'm not saying that's how his, his directorship got, got tanked because of his own, hubris and 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 uh, lack of judgment with a uh, discretion discretion <laughs> that's the word yeah that's that's the name that's that's what i call the biographer lover um but i mean it was it was an important you know reality lesson there that you know these bureaucrats these senior bureaucrats they will they will feed the director the information they want him to hear and and they will they will sort of steer the ship from there and it was um it was very interesting it just sounds disheartening. Right. It <laughs> is. So I think what's really interesting is that from what both of you are saying, from the left, right? And I'm going to say from the left again. That's I, okay. I, need, I feel like I need to keep reiterating I'm not a Biden supporter. Like, I'm not a Democrat. But, I know. But we still love also, you, Veronica. But I think what's really interesting is that, you know, everything that you guys are saying also fits the narrative of the Trump administration continuing to say the same things over and over to feed his inflated ego, to continue to push his agenda and all of the complaints that are now coming out of the Department of Homeland Security. Now I understand that China, Iran, and all of these other countries are also a threat, but from an IT perspective and what a lot of people don't understand is that cyberspace is the new war. That is the new battleground. Propaganda is the new battleground. It is. And people don't understand how fucking good, like people think bots and they think beep, boop, beep, boop, I'm a robot. Like (laughs) they don't fucking understand how AI works and how far along it's already come. Like Google can make phone calls and it sounds like a human being making reservations like a human voice. You know how you you can trip them up by asking what the weather's like in Mumbai. (laughs) Or Boo Empire or whatever. Or, I feel like I was. I feel like I'm not prepared for that information, yeah. Ron. 
So, uh, so based on what you guys are saying, and especially what Veronica just said at the end before we transition out of here, um, geez, it's already 630. I love it. Uh, but tr there's, there's another quote in a different article. It says, Trump, of course, never misses an opportunity to pour gasoline on the fire of our national polarization. He's rarely shown either the inclination or the capacity to build, bridge, build bridges when he could burn them instead, and his narcissistic personality could make it nearly impossible for him to go quietly into the good night if voters try to send him there. So let's leave it at that, because I think that's kind of, I think we've touched on all those key things. And uh, let, let's that's, move a little swifter into this last one. Here. Say it again, Nick. That was very good moderation. It was. Too bad I can't read. I'm like a, I'm like a fourth grader. I just sound out the words and hope they come out okay. Public school, man. That public school education. <laughs> I was a prep Florida, school kid. Florida, Florida public school. I'm yeah, just going to say. Just saying, Florida public school. Not exactly uh, – I don't even have words to fill because I don't know them. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, all right. The last thing that kind of came out this week was – what I thought, well, I'll, I'll give my opinion on it first, was there was this big story with Bob Woodward, who's conveniently writing a book and releasing this now, but supposedly Trump uh, downplayed the severity of the virus, the coronavirus. Um, and my immediate reaction was, so wait a minute. If I am any type of leader, whatever the situation is, is my initial reaction supposed to be to project calm and rational and logical thinking and how we address it and move forward? Or should I just hit the full on fucking panic button and say, Oh my God, we're all going to fucking die. And apparently everyone would prefer Trump should have came out and said, this is it, America. It's over. Kiss your loved ones. <laughs> we're all going to fucking die. Uh, Veronica, what do you think? No. no, that's such a silly parallel to draw. Like, why does I it think it's to, the perfect does, parallel to draw? No, he's the leader does, of the free world, of course. I, I, no, I agree. But, but he also other, came out. Hold on, real quick. I'm sorry, I forgot this part. He yeah. also then said, "I don't want to project panic." He knew how serious it was, but he didn't want to project panic. Okay, now go. Sorry. Right. So I think, as as a responsible leader, right, like you can project. Um, a stoic and like calm perspective of what's mm -hmm. happening without intentionally deceiving the public. And that's what bothers me about it. Like the fact that two days later he goes on and does teleconference or does conferences and says, it's no worse than the actual flu. It'll go away by the summer. And now we have people that refuse to wear their masks. We have people that refuse to stay home. We have people that think it's we have people that think it's a hoax. You have the fucking QAnon crowd that's basically convincing people COVID nineteen is a cover up for Tom Hanks to molest children in Australia and like wow. drink and drink their adrenochrome or whatever fucking crazy shit. It Did is your roommate fill you that like, one from Australia. All right, was that no, the roommate? God, no, I, I, I'll send you. Oh, I'll send you the links to all this no, shit. No, no, the no, internet just, is wild. No, the QAnon crowd doesn't count. No, no they they're huge. But the thing is that they're, no, but they're, they're gaining traction. And that's the fucking. Well, to be honest with you, after I saw the, after I saw a couple clips from cuties, I think I might be a QAnon Bro. guy they're, now. Okay. So first off, I just want to say like the Save the Children movement is only trending because of QAnon. And there are a lot of really amazing organizations out there that have been fighting against uh, child uh, trafficking. Uh, Project Underground, years. my favorite. Yeah. There are a I lot of amazing Andy, organizations. Can I give a quick, can I give a quick shout one, out? Right? Nick, can I give one, a right? quick shout out to my organization? You'd go for it. 
Number Ghost two. Orchid Coalition. Yeah. Ghost Orchid we're, we're Coalition. Gonna, we're going to end and uh, childhood second shout out, out of the night. Put that up. Second check, 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 uh, <laughs> shout out. So, <laughs> so no, I, I personally think like, could you imagine if Bush had come out after 9-11 and been like, you guys, shit, like it was, it'll be, it was an accident. We'll make sure all the buildings surrounding this are good. Like if it would have, if you would have handled it with a lie, right? A lie. Cause that's intentional. Well, I think the difference was. is what you're saying. 9-11 was visible. Can this we, can we also, so, just, so is 190,000 people dying. So right, is our we, con, no, but our they didn't all die at once. They didn't we, all die at once. Oh, so yeah, all first off, people right, losing their jobs. Off, I got, I have a school. It's a lot. First off, I just want to say, did anybody, am I the only one that caught Fauci's statement? That Probably. said that. that tr- what, yes, that he corroborated that Trump had well, first yeah. off, Fauci, <laughs> until, literally, until yesterday, Fauci was the darling of the left. They pointed to him as some beacon of truth and absolute, Subtle science. Yes, unequivocal science. It is beyond the scientific. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I barely passed science. I don't talk from the, uh, the scientific. Uh, <laughs> I heard you went to a prep school though. So I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, have as- <laughs> and, I, and I focus my studies on literature and history because I could, uh, but no. Yeah. But uh, uh, the, 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 the scientific, what's the word I'm looking for? Veronica, help me out. I don't know. Science. Empirical. No, no, no. The, no. The, 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 when, when you ask a question and you test it, the hypothesis. Hypothesis. That is. That is. No, the it's hypothesis. a scientific. Whatever it is. Whatever. The scientific, it is. The scientific process. Method. <laughs> scientific Maybe it method. Is scientific process. Um, hypothesis, anyways, conclusion, all that shit. They touted that. him as. Oh, the I know. All be all authority, and then he comes out and says, literally, He's actually older than Biden, I think. But anyway, go ahead. He looks great because he does because he runs. He, He's he a runner. runs. Biden's down in his basement, just hanging out like a neckbeard. Um, <laughs> anyways, Fauci was literally the the golden goose of the left yes. until yesterday, and then he and then he corroborates and says literally everything that Trump said publicly was what he was saying privately. Like it wasn't like he undersold it. He was listening to us. This was his takeaway, as is his right to be, you know, commander in chief. And then tonight, I don't know if you caught it. I know Ron doesn't watch Fox News. Veronica doesn't watch Fox News. I don't really watch cable news because I don't have cable, but I did catch a clip on Twitter of uh, Biden's spokesperson being interview- interviewed by Brett Baer. Oh, yeah, and, that was great. Yeah, and he asked, and all he, he asked a very simple question. What would Biden have done differently? And it <laughs> turned into this absolute goat rope of a circular logic oh my goodness well he didn't actually want the travel ban versus oh he wasn't against it he tried to get brett bear into some logical and fallacy it was it was a it was a fucking disaster so my point is is you have the alternative and even his own camp can't say what he would have done differently so it's it's very easy to armchair quarterback Trump's yep. actions. It's very easy. We oh, this, the, the media armchair quarterbacks every single decision he makes. Mm-hmm. Oh, we saw that today. But we yeah. saw that today. 
So we, but then, we do that with then, every single president. We but do that then, with every president. Well, but in this, the case in this, in this time, Veronica, they're not asking questions. They're debating. They're challenging the president. You know, they, what do they, they call him a liar. And why should we trust you? you you're always lying to the American public. That's not asking a question. That's engaging in, in a, in a, in a low-level insurgent political debate, pretending you're you're the media. I mean, Jonathan Carl in today's thing, you know, called him basically conference. called him a liar. He did call and him Phil, a liar. He said, "Why do you lie to the American people?" Yeah, and and That's Phil Rucker from the Washington question. Post, you know. Yeah. So I, I go. But it know, wasn't the truth. So therefore, <clears throat> but Fauci said it it's was. A so, but, but, so, so, so who do we believe? Woodward? And hey, I interviewed Bill Casey, but you know, for, for that book, but oh, Bill Casey was in a, you know, he was in a coma and, and uh, semi-conscious or whatever, you know. So yeah, I think Woodward is still trying to relive his glory years. Well, with, he said that Woodward, misinformation, by no, the way, for eight the, months. With the, word, yeah. the Woodward quote, okay, for, this is a second book during the Trump administration, first off. Second, no, no, but the this quote is actual audio. There's, he didn't blow the whistle. Well, okay. he, so he waited until he had a publisher. There is an yeah. audio recording of Trump saying these things. It's not just like a direct quote yeah, that was like written down. Like there's a there's yeah. audio. So that's in the link that I sent you guys. Like but, it's Trump actually saying it. No, I heard it, but that's why I prefaced everything. That's why I prefaced right. everything with him saying, "I." And the other, I go ahead. And, and the thing about Fauci being like the the golden goose of the left, like he's been a, an advisor to like the last six presidents. Four of those have been Republican. So yeah, I, but within the last couple months, people were creating petitions for Brad Pitt to fucking play Fauci in some biopic. I mean, but that's not that's, that's not right. yeah. no, <laughs> the, the right the right side talks about all the shit that they want. Brad Trump, Pitt. Like, it's every Who's side. Who's going to play has Donald their... Trump? Is what I want to know. Who's going to play Trump? Donald Trump oh, is going to play Donald Trump. Uh, Nobody can be exactly. the. Honestly, all right, look, we can we can go Trump around. Um, yeah. All right. So he can act uh, too. Home Alone two. Home Alone, he was in Home Alone too. Yeah, that's Trump, right. He right. Was. WWE? <laughs> WWE? Yes. Look, all right, we've, we've talked about this already. Donald Trump was adored by everyone until he put a fucking R next to his name. But anyway, that's let's true. not do this. Let's, let's move on. Uh, we're, <laughs> let's wrap this up. Uh, I know I'm going to kind of end on a little bit of a somber note. Um, I threw out a little one of those fire and forget tweets, and it, it, it took a lot of traction today, and I'm kind of surprised in a good way because I've been retweeting everyone's personal stories. But tomorrow is 9-11. Uh, it happened 19 years ago tomorrow. It's the entire reason I dropped out of college and gave up a, a terrible college baseball career because I wasn't going anywhere and joined the Army. Um, so my story real quick and, uh, was I was in New York City uh, at the Towers September 7th through the 9th uh, in a different life. Nick knows about it. Ron knows about it now. I was doing some recording. Um, and then, you know, I was up all night on the 10th. I was listening to Howard Stern and I thought he was – taking a skit and, and going way too far because I remember him saying a tower was hit by a plane. I was like, all right, that's whatever. But they kept talking about it. And so I decided to go out and turn on the TV. And as I did that, I saw the second plane hit. I felt like I was hallucinating because I'd been up all night. But that's kind of what 9-11 was for me. And as I said, the rest is kind of history for myself. I immediately dropped out of college within a week and a half or two weeks after that. Shortly after that, I was in the army. I've been ever since. Um, so, Nick, where were you on 9-11? What do you remember? I was in art class in sixth grade. Sixth grade. Awesome. Sixth grade. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't date it. I'm 30 now, too, yeah. to put that in yeah, perspective. So you guys are right. But I, I was in sixth grade art class when our, our 
our principal came in and told us that there had been a, a terrible, terrible accident in New York. We spent the rest of the day glued to the televisions. And, it, you know, I was too young to enlist on the spot. Yeah. But it, 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 yeah. de it definitely played a role. Um, you know, even at six, you know, in sixth grade, you're 11, 12 years old. I was 11 years old. Um, you're old enough to understand the ramifications of a world-changing event. And despite the fact that it took years for me to finish school and, and join the army, it, it still played a massive, massive role in my decision to, to enlist and, and then enlist in, in SF because I was still 11, 12 years old when Green Berets were taking over Afghanistan on yeah. horseback. That was, it was basically, uh, awesome. it was yeah. like a, a fairy tale for, for young boys. So it had a tremendous effect sure. on me and, and my career. Thank you, Veronica. We did We're that. Soldiers, we did that. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, hold on, Ron. <laughs> I, I've heard the stories. I've heard the stories from those ODAs, and they're like, yeah, we landed on this rooftop from some, some like on a Chinook, and all of a sudden some shady dude came out of the brush, and he goes, hi, I'm your CIA contact. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> So, I've so true story. So true story. So triple, triple nickel. So, so triple nickel lands at Bagram. Chris Haas, Major Chris Haas, is the ODA commander, and we greet him with a cup of Starbucks. Hey, what took you so long? So, yeah. So, <laughs> all right, ask, Ron, real ask quick, Chris about that. Yeah, I've, I, I, I'll have Ron take us out because I've heard his nine eleven story. It's actually pretty fucking awesome. But real quick. Uh, well, not real quick. As long as Veronica needs, what what was yours? Where were you? About the same age as Nick? I was the same age as yeah. about the same age as Nick. I'm a little older. Um, oh. Yeah, I was in school, and and I I mean I'm, I'm originally from California, and they sent yep. us home early because um, they didn't know what else was going to happen, right? If anything else right. would be attacked. So I remember going home and just watching the 24 hour news cycle with my parents, and like intermittently watching my parents like go from disbelief to shock yeah. to to grief and like, you know, listening to the different stories that were being told on the news and like whose families and like, Hey, so-and-so is missing. And like, just, just the, the nonstop footage for like the entire, pretty much the entire week. And that was really, that was a defining moment in my life. And, you know, when I was in, uh, in AIT and I joined the, ended up joining the military when I was 20. And, uh, when I was in AIT, I remember that's when Osama bin Laden was caught. So Oh, cool. I remember. I, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that next time. But how was that, that real was quick for your parents, too. knowing that they were first generation or your first generation? They're from was, Mexico. I mean, how so my, well, my parents have spent most of their life here. You know, my okay. mom came here when she was 13. My dad spent okay. most of his life here. And it so was they're American. Yeah. yeah, it was devastating. Right. Because like it was that was like the beacon of like commerce and, yep. and you know, really what it was to be you know, a huge yeah. American symbol. So it was he, it was it was devastating to them yeah. right because it was like oh my god like the the attack was felt very personally by like yeah. my entire family it was like this is you know our land and this is our home right. and probably never thought that would happen uh, yeah fuck yeah. no not here exactly. all right ron wrap it up bring us home tell us that cold war story and how it shifted literally <laughs> <laughs> there i was so um, no shit there he was no the, so where was i on 9-11 i was um i was in budapest hungary uh, doing a counter-terrorist exercise with then-Lieutenant Colonel Scotty Miller, now four-star general in Afghanistan, Scotty Miller, and uh, a group of uh, State Department and uh, uh, U.S. military and, and agency guys 
and we were going to do an exercise with the Hungarians. And we were um, basing out of the embassy that day, you know, just squaring away the country team on what was, what was going to happen. Um, we all went out to lunch, a bunch of us. We came back from an early lunch. And suddenly the, uh, the Marines at guard post one, the, the front entrance to the embassy, uh, the Marines are all in, in their combat utilities, full, full battle rattle. Uh, the Hungarians had placed some armored vehicles, armored cars, old Russian, uh, shit, what are they? B BTRs, mm -hmm. BRDMs, whatever they are. And um, around the embassy and the avenues of approach. And, you know, damn, it's like, what the hell happened? Did we have a terrorist attack on the embassy or a threat? Mm -hmm. And we get in there and, and all the TVs are blaring. Uh, we went to the uh, the common room where our, our group for the exercise had all settled. And um, Miller comes up to me and tells me the, the DAT, the defense attache, is he's worthless. <laughs> and he, he was he was he was just he was falling and the the station guys were whatever they they weren't they weren't he says you need to brief all of us and the the embassy staff here on what's going on and i i will tell you you know i've, I've given a million intel briefs and it was the fucking hardest brief i ever had to give because we, I mean, we had guys, you know, we had a couple FBI guys too on the team. All these people are on their phones, on the phones back to DC and, and Bragg and, and McDill and trying to get answers to what's going on. And I mean, we heard every rumor about explosions on the mall, um, you know, this and that. And, and I mean, all, all the rumors that you would hear on, I guess, on the TV that, that would filter out or we've heard after the fact now, it was, uh, it was a really hard brief to give because everybody had a million questions and I had a million non-answers to give. It was, rough, but it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a defining moment for us because we all deployed with our go bags because mm. we always knew that there might be an opportunity or uh, an unfortunate opportunity yeah. for us to, to go from play acting to, uh, or as Nick would say, from LARPing to, LARPing. Uh, to, uh, <laughs> to, to doing the real thing. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, uh, the DOD guys, they all, they all, uh, retrograded to Tazar, which is a large Hungarian military base. And uh, then they went back to the States while they re re-kitted and, and what all, and then everything. We ended up spending a week in Budapest while they tried to figure out what to do with us, whether we would go forward or what. And um, finally, uh, the Air Force freed up a, a transport aircraft force. We, we were flying back. And um, there's... Um, there's several air routes along the Eastern seaboard and we were uh, vectored on the, the one closest to the, uh, to the coastline. And as we were approaching New York city, now this is like four days, five days after the event. Um, it was, a, we landed on a Saturday at Andrews, but all of us got called up to the cockpit to uh, spend a couple of minutes looking out the window at Manhattan, at the smoke, at the destruction. And it, I mean, you see it on the TV and everything. And those are images that I'll never forget. Yep. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, and when we landed at Andrews and after we did all our unloading and what all, um, the country I'd landed in, I felt like I was in some sort of weird Twilight Zone episode where the, the passenger airplane <laughs> landed and it was a totally different environment. The whole country had seemingly changed. Yep. And it was, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that was, that was honestly the, the, the few months that came after that, I thought was probably the most unified. Well, not the most, not probably that was the most unified I've ever felt us in this country since, uh, dissipated like all things of unity do. Um, and I, we definitely haven't achieved anything like that since, but, uh, I appreciate all of you sharing your stories, joining us for another episode of there will be banter. Hey, we're going to be losing Veronica in uh, two weeks, October 1st, I believe three weeks, two weeks. So we need to get someone. Yeah. We need to get right. some, uh, Loser. another lovable left wing second amendment for, gun toting forever to or just for place. just for a couple weeks just for my that God. just for that day so my we got sister's a, getting oh. married my yeah getting married. i thought you i thought she was sick and tired of us no no, no i don't think oh. she's sick of, she may be just she hasn't now, told me yet now that you shave the mustache i'll stick around Nick. But I gotta, <laughs> there you go. see it works keeps them around ah. uh but anyway you know what to do uh please check us out on uh on youtube or any of the podcast sites it's all there so we'll do this again next week hopefully uh mustaches will not be grown back mustaches will not be shaved and veronica won't start growing her leg hair out i guess i don't know no there will be better. remember we'll see you next week love you guys